The Islamic month of fasting, known as Ramadan, began this year just a week after the summer solstice, meaning that Muslims have been required to abstain from food and drink for no fewer than 19 hours. That's hard enough for most people, but have you ever thought what fasting means for a surgeon who has to make life or death decisions and maintain a perfectly steady hand after 10 hours or more without a sip of water on a hot summer's day? Or a firefighter who may have to keep his fast up for longer if he's called out to an emergency just as the sun finally sets? Or a chef who has to cook for non-Muslims and cannot even taste his own food to make sure it's good? I'm Ramona Ali, and in this edition of Things Unseen, I'll be exploring how Muslims whose jobs make it almost impossible to fast manage to do it nonetheless. With me in the studio are Imran Huck, a surgeon from Sheffield specialising in ophthalmology, or diseases of the eye, and Nasr Jalani, a firefighter for the London Fire Brigade. Imran, you're just 28 years old, but you're already a senior surgeon. So how many operations do you carry out in an average week? On one list, maybe you'd say the six patients if it's intraocular surgery. And if I'm doing plastics, which is another subspecialty of ophthalmology, there can be two to three patients per list. And I have about three lists a week. Okay, so on average... On average, I would say maybe 12 patients. And so what kind of things are entailed in your surgery? The intraocular stuff, that can get pretty hairy. You're operating under a microscope. Um, You only have two to three millimetres in which to play. Everything's magnified a lot. So that's where you need the steady hand. The plastic stuff is slightly more, can I say, chilled out. You're operating on people who've had surgery for cancer uh, and you're basically trying to rebuild their faces or remove the cancer. So you perform about 12 operations a week. Yes. So that sounds like quite a challenging schedule. Uh, How do you keep that going during Ramadan while you're fasting? It's difficult. I'm not going to lie about that. I don't really have much of a choice. You know, there are consultants, they tell me to do it and I do it, like an obedient junior. But uh, no, I have to, just to keep my skills up, as well as part of my job description, I have to do it. But you have a choice to maybe not fast, because some some people don't fast during Mm. operations, do they? No, true. As a doctor, the patient always comes first. You know, if I thought the fast was going to affect my surgery, I would either abstain from fasting or I would not operate one of the two. What would you say was the hardest thing? Mm. Is it caffeine deprivation? It's all very difficult. Caffeine dependency is a massive thing. If you're on call during the day and overnight, and then you're expected to be at work the next day, caffeine is uh, something that keeps you going. Without caffeine, life is a very sad place. So I think that probably would be the biggest, and the lack of sleep as well. Okay, Nasser, you've been a firefighter for eight years. Do you always fast during Ramadan? Yes, I do. It's eight and a half years, but um, yes, I do fast every year. Every year without fail? Without fail, yes, have to. And what's the most challenging aspect of that in your job? Incidents can happen any time. I mean, obviously not just fires. Someone could be stuck in a lift, flooding, chemical incidents, road traffic incidents, releasing people out of vehicles when they've um, had an accident. Fires do occur, major incidents, training, drills, exercises, especially in this weather. And I just think about what, what the firefighters wear and all those layers and those overalls. Yeah. It must get really hot and even more difficult because you're really dehydrated already. Yeah, we, we have to wear our um, fire helmets and fire gear, obviously for health and safety reasons. And once the drill or an incident is made safe, 
the officers in charge give us the permission, we can relax the rest. Imran, if you make a mistake because you're tired or thirsty or, mm. or you haven't had your caffeine fix mm. and your hands aren't steady, now the consequences of that could be really serious, couldn't mm. they? They could potentially damage a patient's eyesight or worse. Mm. So is that something that bothers you? It does play on my mind, especially because I don't want the perception to be that these mistakes have have happened because I'm fasting or because I'm not aware of my own competency or my levels of performance. I mean, so far, again, it hasn't happened. It's not really caused a problem. In fact, I've found the opposite. I'm more disciplined during the Ramadan period. I have to be. So actually, I'm probably more focused and the patients get a better deal out of it. Has it ever occurred to you that keeping a fast might be a little bit irresponsible? Or has anyone ever suggested that to you, perhaps a boss? I wouldn't say bosses have, but um, peers have said, how can you fast whilst you're operating, etc. The first thing I have to say is, well, the results of my surgery is, is auditable, you can see. Has it affected me or not? And it hasn't. That's the first thing. And secondly, that um, I do make it quite clear to them that, you know, I am aware of my own competence, my own levels. As a responsible clinician, I have to be. I give some of my non-Muslim peers the example that if they had a, you know, a big night the night before and they felt they were under the influence of alcohol, would they come into work? The answer is no. They would ring in and say they can't operate. If I ever felt that you know, what I was doing was irresponsible or my fasting was affecting my levels of performance, I would make that clear and abstain. And has a patient ever asked you, you know, (laughs) are my eyes going to be all right if you're fasting Um, and you're operating on them? I mean, what would you say to a patient who who would ask that? Well, again, I would assure them that basically it would be fine. It won't affect them. No one's ever asked me. So Nasir, have your superiors or colleagues ever questioned the good sense of a firefighter keeping the Ramadan fast? No, um, not really. On the contrary, they've been very supportive. If there was a grey area needed clarifying, I would speak to my officer in charge and uh, usually very understanding. Colleagues are very supportive. So how do you explain to them why it matters so much to you to fast? Obviously, um, as a Muslim, we have to fast because it's one of the five pillars of Islam. Ramadan is about devotion, sacrifice, mainly mental strength, willpower, and it helps us get closer to Allah. There's also a social issue, isn't there, with firefighters who who are on the same watch. They normally eat together. So do you find that difficult to exclude yourself from that kind of community feel during Ramadan? I've worked with most of my colleagues for a few years now, and uh, most of them are aware that during the month of Ramadan, I'm going to be fasting and uh, provisions made. They won't actually um, cook or eat in front of me. And I try and keep busy. I mean, I, I'll go away and read a book or something. I've left the Things Unseen studio and come to the kitchen of the five-star Andaz Boutique Hotel near London's Liverpool Street, which promises some of the best fine dining that the city and East London have to offer. This is the kitchen of the 1901 restaurant, and with me is Hamid Farouk, the head chef. Hello, Hamid. Hello, good morning. You're originally from India. How long have you been a head chef here for? I've been here in this company for over three years and I've been a head chef almost for two and a half years. What things are on your menu today? We serve fine dining British menu. Everything is locally produced and uh, everything changes according to whatever is available in the market. But if you ask what I would recommend, I would really go for turbot. And if you're a meat eater, I would, uh, I would uh, recommend you beef. And to start, uh, I would recommend a crab. 
I do have pigeon on the menu. If you like pigeon, it's wood pigeon. But uh, unfortunately, I cannot have it halal because it is a game. So it's a full menu for everyone, regardless of faith. It's not just halal food that you offer? Uh, no, it is not. We do cater to halal and kosher on request, but it is a full menu for available for everyone, basically. Okay, so it's a little after 11 a.m. in the morning. What's going on here at the moment? People are quite busy. My guys, they start normally at 9 o'clock and uh, we do prep till 12 o'clock. Uh, that's till midday when our restaurant opens for lunch service. So I'm just watching two chefs preparing what looks to me like mashed potato with peas, but I'm sure it's a lot more complicated than that. Can you just tell me, Hamid, what they're making? They're actually doing a prep for the beef dish. It's uh, potato champ. It's a Welsh way of preparing potato. You have spring onions, peas, crushed potatoes and that. So basically that goes in a mould and then we serve them on the side with the beef. So it's your responsibility, Hamid, to make sure all of the food is cooked to perfection and it's ready at the right time. It is indeed. I mean, there are a lot of factors you need to consider to see what is the best practice you can do. And it's Ramadan at the moment and we have very long and hot days. But for you, it means you have to cook lunch and dinner before you even break the fast. Is that impossible for a chef like you? I've been doing this for 12 years, so I don't say it is impossible. It is possible. I mean, what I see, it's more of somebody training their mind and their heart. End of the day, it is what you believe in. I mean, if you don't believe in what you're doing, it doesn't make any sense. I feel that I respect what I do, and I train my heart and my mind to respect what I do. So basically, my mind controls my throat and my stomach, saying, you know what, stop thinking that you need food. And just 30 days in a year, so it's not a long time. So how do you do it? I mean, how is it possible that you can make sure that your food tastes immaculate, that it's up to scratch? How can you do it without tasting it? Alhamdulillah, I have a very good team whom I can trust. Each dish has a standardized recipe, so the guys follow to the grams, basically. So the room of error is really, really less. But doesn't it get really difficult to be around these wonderful aromas all day and not be able to eat anything? It does, it does. Sometimes temptations are always there, but again, uh, I, I've trained myself to overcome that and carry on. Yeah. I mean, have you ever been tempted to break your fast or just forgotten and pop something into your mouth by accident? It is so natural that you take a spoon when you're cooking and it comes up in your mouth. And it happens so many times without realizing. But never came to a point that I decided to break my fast. Just by accident, if I do, I mean, the only person I answer is God. Now, I'm getting really hot here in the kitchen, and I'm only here for a few minutes, but you have to spend your entire fast in the kitchen. How do you deal with the heat? This is something which I've got used to it. I mean, I do feel dehydrated sometimes, especially when I talk a lot during Ramadan. My throat really gets dry. And the only time I get more tired is after I break my fast. That's one time I get really, really tired, and it really challenges me to pray after eating. Hamid is now back here with me in the Things Unseen studio, joining our two other guests, Imran Huck, an eye surgeon, and Nasir Jalani, a firefighter. Imran, hearing that, what do you think is harder, being around food all day during a long fast or performing those extremely delicate eye operations? I'd probably say being around food all day. That I probably couldn't manage. I'd find it very difficult to do that, especially um, you know, hearing the level at which you perform. Yeah, I'd find it very difficult. Nasser, would you fancy swapping roles with Hamid? No, thank you. I'm <laughs> happy doing what I'm doing. And Hamid, has there ever been a point when you've wondered whether your chosen career as chef and your Muslim practice were incompatible? 
During the beginning of my career, yes, I did. I mean, when I did my college three years, I wanted to become a pastry chef because you have less handling of pork and things which you're not supposed to. But eventually, uh, my career took me to a direction where I was away completely from pastry and I ended up uh, being what I am now. But I never had a thought or I never had a feeling in my career ever that I shouldn't have been what I'm now. And how about you, Imran? If it's so important to you to keep the Ramadan fast, would it have been easier to become a GP rather than a surgeon, for example? I couldn't possibly comment GPs of our life. And to be honest, I'm managing. You know, I'm enjoying what I'm doing and uh, I would like it to stay this way. But have you ever had to break your fast because you felt a bit faint or unable to concentrate before an operation? No, no, I haven't. The last time I had to break a fast was when I was at secondary school. Nasser, with the dehydration that Ramadan poses, do you get any like headaches or migraines from that? And does that affect your work? It doesn't affect the work. It has happened over the years, but um, the key is um, preparation the night before during Sahur. Sahur is the pre-dawn meal. Dates, plenty of water, good food, fruits. So get plenty on board, ready to go. So it's just the key is preparation and um, breaking fast, that's not an option. So you definitely wouldn't, if you had a really severe migraine and uh, you thought, oh, I'm in this situation, it's more important than me fasting right now. Have you ever felt the need to break it, just have some water in the middle of the day? I thought about it, but sort of persevered and carried on doing other stuff, keeping myself busy and occupied. Hamid, as a chef, have you got some advice for the others here on the most suitable diet and also for those in jobs where the Ramadan fast really must not affect their performance? Considering the time we fast in England, especially 18 hours, nothing would stay in your stomach, even how much ever you prepare yourself. But what I would suggest is to reduce the amount of carbs you intake and focus more on proteins, lentils and uh, cereals rather than uh, red meat or something. If you take more of protein, it would take longer time for it to uh, burn and it would give you more energy rather than being a carbohydrate which burns into sugar completely. I have to take that on board because I eat a lot of carbohydrates. (laughs) Imran, as we said, any mistakes you could make could have very Mm. serious consequences. So what do you eat in the morning before you begin the fast and also what do you have at night to minimise the effects of fasting that could affect your performance in theatre? Well actually as Hamid was saying I drink a protein shake in the morning I've been doing that for the last few years and it's worked you know I've stuck by it but lately I've been taking to coconut water so I've been having a lot of that and especially this year with it being hot as well I've been getting cramps I've been feeling it so um, coconut water has helped me a lot. Yeah apparently it's uh, good for hydration. Apparently yeah. Mm. And Nasser, of course, the other aspect that makes the fast physically difficult for anyone who's working is a lack of sleep. So eating after sunset and before sunrise and combining that with prayers, that makes for a very short night of sleep. So how do you deal with that? And can you ever take a nap while you're on a shift? No, you can't take a nap while you're on a shift. I mean, our days are very busy and productive. But how much sleep do you actually get per night during Ramadan? Not a lot, but if I'm on duty the next day, I get as much as I can. After Suhar, doing the Fajr prayers and just eat the bed straight away. So that's around, what, 3am? Yeah, get a few hours. But I mean, we do two day shifts, so it's a case of twice a week. The rest are night shifts, so it's a case of two days a week. And then you just sleep it off during the day? Yeah, just catch up, really. But the body's used to it now anyway. And you, Imran, how do you deal with sleep deprivation? That's pr- I probably find the most difficult thing. I mean, over the last few years, I've had a little app on my iPhone. Other phones are available, other brands. But uh, I've been using that to basically monitor the hours I sleep. 
And it's really funny, the little changes to your practice. Um, I normally wear contact lenses. I end up wearing glasses during Ramadan so I can, you know, catch a few hours at lunchtime, etc. It's manageable and all it needs is a bit of discipline. And how about you, Hamid? How do you deal with it? Being a chef, I mean, that's a part of your career. You actually don't sleep as much as normal people. But what most of the people forget, was just told by my imam in my last uh, Jumma prayer, Many people, they don't prepare themselves during Ramadan. They think it's just like watching a movie. You get up and you say, okay, let's go watch a movie. It's absolutely not like that. You have to prepare for Ramadan like you prepare for a marathon. I mean, at least a week in advance, you have to start eating less and waking yourself up for prayers. So your body is getting used to the system. Rather than we realize, okay, tomorrow is Ramadan, I'm going to wake up. And there we go. We fast. And most of the people give up mainly because of they don't prepare themselves much. What I've been doing myself is I personally eat less during lunch and most of the time I skip eating lunch. So my body is get used to it slowly. It's the height of irony, isn't it, for a chef? Where you just you, you don't get to eat <laughs> your own food. And Imran, talking about preparation, do you have a special way of preparing spiritually for a day where operations are scheduled? Usually before, I'm quite a nervous person anyway. So when I'm operating, I am muttering prayers, etc. beforehand just so everything goes fine. As a totally personal thing. But what I try and do is just, you know, I carry a little copy of the, um, you know, an iQuran, an electronic little Quran I carry around with me. Whenever I get a few moments, I just bust that out and read. You know, I'm lucky in the sense that being a doctor, I get the freedom to be able to nip off for five, ten minutes and pray. It seems for you that uh, being extra careful and conscientious before and during your operations in Ramadan is almost an enhancement of your Mm. spiritual discipline. Would that be right? Yeah, doing Ramadan actually probably helps me. Most medics are ill-disciplined some form or another, um, just being a student for so long. So doing Ramadan, what it instills in you is a discipline that it comes across in patient care as well. And Nasser, to you, what are these spiritual benefits uh, of Ramadan? What do you get out of it, you know, despite or because of the professional challenges that you've described? It basically tests your resolve. I mean, it's an experience because obviously there's a lot of people out there in the world who are less fortunate than us who can't even um, have two meals a day. And uh, it's for us to realise that we are in a fantastic position. It brings us closer to God. And um, at the end of the day, uh, the experience is fantastic. And for you, Hamid, what are the spiritual benefits of Ramadan for you as a chef in fine dining? I think I, I get detoxified, if that is the right word I can use. Not just physically, but I would say mentally as well. I learned a lot of discipline during this time. And 30 days following that, it becomes a practice. And I start following it after Ramadan. And that's one good thing, I think. Thanks to my guests, Hamid Farooq, Imran Haq and Nasir Jilani. I'm Ramona Ali, and you've been listening to Things Unseen, the programme for people of faith and those who just feel there may be more to life than the material world. This Ramadan edition of Things Unseen was brought to you by CTVC. And you can hear this programme again and find other editions of Things Unseen at www.thingsunseen.co.uk.